It's the first uh, weekend of the new year, and you know what that all means? We're all a year older. Now, if I made that announcement in kids' church or in the uh, middle school, they'd all be excited. A year older, all the things that are ahead for them, they're closer to them. Uh, for some of us, though, it's not that exciting, not so much. Um, <clears throat> there are two elderly men, and they're walking down a path, and there is a frog in the middle of that path. And the frog calls out to him and says, I am a, really a beautiful princess. And if you kiss me, I'll turn back into that beautiful princess. So the one man reaches down and picks up the frog and then sticks it in his pocket, keeps walking. And his friend said, what are you doing? Didn't you hear what that frog said? If you kiss her, she'll become a beautiful princess. And he said, yeah, but at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. <laughs> so <laughs> getting, getting a little bit older changes things. <laughs> it takes its toll. This woman was uh, standing in front of a mirror. She was getting up in the years a little bit. And she looked at, into the mirror, and she didn't like what she saw. And she turned to her husband, and she looked in the mirror, and <clears throat> he was reading the paper, and she said, I look into this mirror, and I see an old woman. The hair is graying. I'm getting more wrinkles. My face is sagging. I'm putting on weight. I need to hear a compliment. And he said, well, your eyesight's darn near perfect. <laughs> so anyway, we've got a new year, and this year is going to be a lot like last year in that, in like the last few years, it's going to be another year full of challenges, full of unexpected things. These days are just not simple days. They're not easy days. Hopefully, there'll be easy days ahead, but these days that we're living in are challenging. And it's important that we have God's wisdom <clears throat> so we can get things right in this new year. Now, one definition I like is that wisdom is the ability to live uh, within the sphere of God's blessings. Knowing how to live within the sphere of God's blessings. How many know there's the choices you can make, there's ways you can live and do things that will always keep you in the area of blessing? I got an easier definition I'm going to use today. <clears throat> I came up with some years ago, very simple. And that is wisdom is knowing what to do and when to do it. Having the right strategy, knowing what to do, is going to be critical for all of us in this new year. So today, <clears throat> I want to talk about God's simple strategy for overcoming every difficulty and problem in the new year. God's strategy for what, how we should live in the new year. And the sermon's called Knowing What to Do and When to Do It in 2024. <clears throat> so we're going to start with 1 Timothy 6. If you've got your Bible, open it up. It, of course, is uh, on your app. You can get the notes and all the scriptures. But let's go ahead and read that. 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12. Let's put it up. But flee. Say the word flee. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue. Say pursue. Uh, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. 
Fight, say fight. Fight Fight the good fight of faith. And then finally, take hold. Say take hold. Of the eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So there were four key words here. Pursue, fight, take hold, flee. And these are four key verbs that God has for you for your strategy in 2024. You see, God says there are some things that you must flee from, and he says there are some things that you must fight. There are some things that you must pursue or you will never gain them. And there are other things that you can't earn and you can't gain by pursuing them. You can only receive them as a gift, but then you must hold fast and hold tight to those things, lest you let them slip away and you lose them. So the problem is that we often get these backwards. And we fight battles that we were not called to fight. We run away and flee from battles that God has empowered us to overcome. We pursue the wrong things. We pursue things that can't be caught. And we let go of things that we've been given that are truly precious. Now, in any situation this year, any challenge that you have, anything you face, you have these four choices. You can flee from it. You can fight it. You can pursue it or you can hold tight onto it. And wisdom is knowing which to do and when to do each. So let's take a quick look at these four. First of all, let's look at flee. Flee because there are some battles that we are not meant to fight. Rather, we are to put as much distance as possible between us and that thing. We are to remove it far from us. Let's look at some examples. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says, flee sexual immorality. That is all sex outside of marriage. Did you know God does not want you to stand and battle sexual immorality? He wants you to remove the temptation as far away as possible. He wants you to run away from those opportunities to fall into that temptation. You see, sex is an incredibly powerful thing. I mean, just think about it for a second. God created the first human being directly. And then God gave humans the ability to create new human abilities, human beings, to be his partner, to be his co-creator, to do something that God did at the beginning and to create and produce a human life. And because that new life needed to be protected, it needed to grow up in a stable and a good environment, And because society depends on a number of these good families staying together, God gave sex an incredible power. God gave sex the ability to take two separate individuals who had been living completely separate lives, pursuing their own agendas, and to become a one flesh unit. The Bible says that when you have sex with your wife or husband, you become one. It binds us together in such a way that you take these separate people and they are bound together through sickness and in health for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, no matter what comes along until separated by death. Now that's the power 
God gave sex to make families work. Now, because sex has so much power, when it's used outside of God's biblical boundaries, it becomes an incredibly destructive force. Think how much suffering has been in the world, how much heartache, how many homes have been ruined and marriages destroyed and young people ruined. Think about how the whole fabric of our society has been damaged and how much extra hatred and bitterness and fighting there's been because of the misuse of sex. Think about how it's splintered people and diminished people because every time, if you go through a serial situation with sex with different people, it doesn't stop the power that God gave it. That power to bind people, that a soul tie is formed. And when that is pulled apart, when you just move on to the next person, a piece of you is left behind. And so individuals are diminished. Think about the power and the effect that sexual immorality has had had on our culture. Knowing the power of sex, a wise person does what God says, and they flee from the temptation. They cut off the opportunity to fall into it. Another thing is 1 Corinthians 10, 14. It says flee from idolatry. That's another thing you should flee from idolatry. Now, what is an idol? An idol is anything that people put above God, that they worship above God, that they serve above God, because they falsely believe that that thing can give them happiness or meaning or security or something else like that. And so in our culture, money and popularity and fame and achievement these things have become incredible draws. They're incre- they have a power to pull us in because so many people around us worship these idols. But the Bible says don't flirt with that temptation. Don't flirt with that idolatry. Run from it. Don't, don't join in with a circle of friends and have that be your circle of friends of people who are all idolaters. Lest you get pulled into their idolatry. You are a spiritual being You are made in the image of your creator who made you for himself, who made you to have relationship with him. And there is no created thing in this world that can ever fully satisfy you or give you lasting security or acceptance or heal your heart. Nothing else but God. He made us for himself. 2 Timothy 2.2, another thing. Paul tells Timothy to flee youthful lusts. You see, there are many temptations when you are young. There are many pitfalls that you need to avoid and not fall into. And uh, if you're young, you're surrounded by a lot of people in here that would say a hearty amen because a lot of us wasted and burned up a lot of our lives because we fell into these temptations and didn't avoid them. Now, So God says, some battles you're not to fight, you're to flee from them. Now, why would God want us to run from some battles? I mean, we're Christians. Why should we run from battles? Well, here's one big reason. Because there are some battles where you have nothing to win, nothing to gain by fighting it, but you've got a lot to lose. That's a sucker battle. For instance, we, I was talking about sex. Let's say that you put yourself into a situation, 
Somebody says, hey, my parents aren't going to be home or whatever the situation. Somebody invites you over their home, some of the opposite sex, no matter what age you are, and it's just going to be the two of you alone in that house. You are going to fight temptation. Even if you step in one of these arenas where there's a lot of temptation, no matter what the temptation is, and even if you white-knuckle that temptation and you don't fall to it, when you leave, you have gained nothing. You have exactly what you had when you went into, whether it's your sexual purity or it's your sobriety or whatever it is. You've come out with that, but you risked everything and you expended all that energy in a battle. So God says, don't, fi don't fight that battle. Flee from that battle. So many Christians are defeated in battles they were never called to fight before powerful temptations. The next word is take hold or hold tight because there are some things that can only be received as a gift, but then you must hold tight lest you lose it, perhaps through carelessness or ingratitude or it's stolen from you. 1 Timothy 6.12, we read the word there and it says, take hold, 1 Timothy 6.12, uh, where'd it go? Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of the eternal life. You cannot gain, you cannot earn eternal life. You can, there, the best things in life really are free. Peace with God. Peace in your own heart. A deep sense of acceptance and well-being. Hope. Eternity. You can earn none of these things. They come to you as a gift but you can lose them if you don't hold tight. Whatever you've been given by God, whatever you are enjoying today, you can let it slip through your fingers through carelessness. Backsliding is always the result of letting go of something that God gave you as a gift, of not holding tight to it. The next strategic word we have, remember, is pursue. Because there are some things you can only gain if you pursue them. 1 Timothy 6.11, let's read that again. But flee from these things, you man of God, and here it is, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. These are all things that, can only be, that you can only receive if you pursue them. One of them is love. If you want love, you have to pursue it. Love isn't just something that automatically happens. It's something that you build. And it always involves giving of yourself. It always involves serving. Romans 14, 19 says, Pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. <clears throat> Great marriages, great families, great churches, great communities. None of these things just happen by themselves. They happen because people pursue the peace. And they do it by, by the words they use, by the actions they do, and by the priorities they set. See, you can be a peacemaker, and you can be a life giver, if you'll pursue using the right words, doing the right actions, setting the right priorities, and you can build up people and you can help make peace. Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek and pursue his kingdom 
and we can gain it. The kingdom of God is that realm of God's supply, of God's power, of God's help. And when you gain the kingdom of God, when you enter it fully, it brings with it all things. Now, the last word I want to briefly introduce here is the word fight. We're going to circle back to these words. Fight, because there are some battles that must be fought. There are some forces that must be overcome. There are battles that are worthy of our best and our strongest efforts. In 1 Samuel 18, 17, David is encouraged with these words. Be a valiant man and fight the Lord's battles. Only when we stop fighting the wrong battles, only when we flee from the wrong battles, will we have the energy and the presence and the strength to fight the right battles, that is to fight the Lord's enemies. And who are his enemies? In Ephesians 6.12 we read, our struggle is what? Not against flesh and blood. And then it goes on to say, but our struggle is against spiritual forces, spiritual beings. And if we stop fighting each other, and we stop fighting people, and we stop fighting for fleshly, selfish reasons, then we'll be able to fight the Lord's enemies. And if we fight the Lord's enemies, we will prevail, because 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you, Christian, than he that's in the world. When you fight the right battles, the power that's in you is greater than any other battle, and you'll win. Romans 8.38 says, We overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Now, realize this. We were made to fight. We're a warrior race. We were made to fight. That's why we do it so much. And that's why we're so good at it. I mean, we fight in our homes. We fight our neighbors. Nations fight nations, fight nations. Warfare and fighting is endemic to what we do because we were made to fight. The problem is because of sin, we fight the wrong enemies. Because of our own selfishness, our own greed, our own pride, we're not fighting the Lord's battles. We're fighting each other. But when we stop fighting each other, we can win the Lord's battles. Now, life depends upon getting these four words right. Flee, fight, pursue, hold tight. Wisdom is knowing which ones to use and when to use them. Now, <clears throat> this is the Lord's recipe for a blessing. This is the Lord's recipe for an overcoming life in 2024. And a story that relates to a lot of Christians, a lot of us, how we live our life. Let me tell you the story. There was this woman named Betty, and she had this amazing um, recipe for this fantastic uh, crab cheese casserole. Everybody who ate it said it was the best dish they ever had. And one day she shared it with her friend, Eleanor. <clears throat> and uh, weeks later, they were going to a church potluck dinner. And uh, Eleanor shared with Betty, oh, I'm bringing your delicious crab cake, uh, crab cake or crab meat casserole that you gave me the recipe to. 
And so they're driving over, and as they're driving, Eleanor admits to Betty that she did change the menu just a little bit, the recipe. Uh, She didn't have any crab meat, so she substituted tuna. And the white wine sauce, the white sauce that was called for seemed a little too much work, and so she just substituted uh, mushroom soup. (laughs) And she forgot to buy you know, the brandy and the blanched almonds. So that was left out, off too. So they're solving, <clears throat> excuse me, they're, she's serving at the dinner, and as she puts it on their plate, she says, now, if you don't like this, don't blame me, blame Eleanor because it's her recipe. <laughs> now, <clears throat> that is how a lot of us live. God gives us the recipe, God gives us the strategy, and we look at it, and we think, well, that seems a little too inconvenient to do that. I'll substitute this. I'd rather do, I don't want to do that. And so we kind of cut corners. We kind of leave some things out. And then when it's time to eat, we blame God for how the dish tastes. So we've got to do it the Lord's way. We must follow the Lord's directions. When we pursue the wrong things, when we fight the wrong battles, when we let go of what's most important, we make a mess of our lives. So I want to circle back to these four words and get a little more practical with them. The first thing is, let's start with, we are to fight the Lord's battles. When I was young and we were, you know, younger, I fought for my sons. Now that I'm older, I fight for my grandsons. In fact, I've always fought And this church has always fought for all children. We fight for their future. We fight against the devil and the demonic powers that would seek to destroy them. And we fight against every lie that is released into this culture that would bring young people into bondage and into unhappiness. I've also always fought against those who would corrupt the truth of the gospel and the truth of God's word. Jude 3 says to contend earnestly for the faith that was once delivered to all the saints. There was, this one says handed down. Contend, that means fight. Contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all time. Once in a moment of time for all time, it's talking about Jesus and the apostles. Jesus and the apostles gave us the truth for all time in the New Testament, once for all. It never needs to be adjusted. It doesn't need to be evolved. Anybody who says, well, you know, Paul, he wrote that because he was just, you know, captive to his times. Anyone who says, we've evolved from there. Anyone who tries to change God's word is resisting God. We need to fight against anything because if you, if you change the gospel, if you change God's word, you shut the door on people for salvation and the blessed life if they believe you. We need to also fight against injustice and suffering and oppression against the world. Now, I talked about what, a good, what good fighters we are. I mean, you think about <clears throat> the bravery that takes place on battlefields, the selflessness. You think about, uh, you know, the wise way in which battles are fought and the, um, 
the ingenious weapons that have been developed. We are good at fighting. Why are we such good warriors? Well, we're called to have fellowship with God. That was one of the reasons we're created. But we are also created to overcome and defeat the other creatures that had rebelled against God, Satan and the fallen angels. God created one race to overcome in God's name the other race, to defeat them. We were to have that glory. So God put it in us to be good at fighting. Now, it's no coincidence that when God placed Adam and Eve in that garden, Satan appeared right away to challenge them because he knows what part of our mission is. So since we're made for that, since we're made to fight, let's fight the Lord's battles. And let's start with prayer, but not end there. Let's use all the weapons and tools God's given us to overcome. Next thing, flee temptation. Now, <clears throat> young person, if you know there's going to be a drinking party with a lot of alcohol, just don't go. Same thing with going, don't go somewhere all alone with someone of the opposite sex. And if you're married, listen to me. Don't flirt with coworkers. Don't feel flattered by their attention. Don't talk to them about your marriage or how your spouse doesn't understand you. Don't have inappropriately, um, you know, emails back and forth. Don't answer their texts. Listen. Flee. Delete them. Get a bigger wedding ring if people can't see it. And fly that thing. Fly it like a flag. Let people know that you are not available because you made marriage vows in the sight of God. And you're just off market. You're not available. God, listen, this is what's important. God doesn't, please hear this, God doesn't promise us overcoming grace and strength to fight battles that he has called us to flee from. Because when we fight battles he's told us to flee from, that is disobedience. And so we don't get, we get God's overcoming grace when we fight the battles he's called us to fight. And so if you, if you step into an arena of temptation on your own, you just might find, like all the rest of us have at different points, that you don't have the strength to resist. So flee. Last word, pursue. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue holiness, which also means pursue Christ-likeness. Because Christ is the only human being who lived a perfectly holy life. If you wonder what a holy life is, if you wonder what that word holiness means, look at Jesus. He exemplified it. Now, a lot of people have in their room or in their house or in their garage posters. They might have posters of bodybuilders, posters of models, because that's what they want their body to look like. And they might have posters of musicians or posters of actors or something else because they want to acquire those kind of skills. They want to have that kind of fame. But every Christian's number one model that you should follow is Christ. We should aspire to Christ-likeness 
above wanting to achieve any skill or achieve any look. We should want to be like him the most. He should be our target. And then finally, there's one more, take hold or hold tight. Remember, the world pursues idols with all its might because it really believes it's going to find meaning or happiness. But no idol in the world can deliver on those things. As much as we believe it will, you look at people that achieve it and you find out they didn't get what they wanted. They didn't get happy. They didn't get peace. They don't have good relationships. All, every good thing in life is a gift that we must hold on tight to. So how do we hold on tight to the things that God has given us? How do we hold on tight to the things that are most important? First of all, listen to me, make a list of the things that you are not willing to let go of, you are not willing to lose, and you are not willing to fail at. You might say, well, one thing is I'm not willing to lose my children to the world. I'm not willing to mess up my marriage or my family. I'm not willing to lose my soul. So once you've made that list of the things you will not fail at or lose, then you realize, you tell yourself, anything that is not on that list, you are willing to live without, or you are willing to let go of, or you are willing to fail at, or you're willing to do a really mediocre job at that thing, because you can't do everything with excellence. You have to decide what things are topmost and what things, like maybe that means that you won't have the house and garden, yard and home. Maybe that means you'll miss some of your child's athletic games. I mean, things that are important that we'd like to do, but they're not the most important. And then you prioritize what is on that list. You make your plan so that you will succeed at holding on to that thing, succeeding at that endeavor. And then you do things that help you, like you hang out with some people that stir up that in you. Fellowship. Study the Bible. In fact, the Bible, think about it. This book was freely given to you. This book tells you how the world started. It tells you why the world was created. It tells you why you're here and how to live the good life. It gives you the key to salvation, the key to heaven. It provides comfort when you're, when you're hurting. It provides courage when you're afraid. And you got it for free. But you have to hold on to the truths that are in this world, this word. Otherwise, it'll slip away. If you spend very little time in the Bible, all the noise of the world will let those truths, those life-giving truths slip from your heart. Now, let me ask if I can have the worship team come out here. When people get distracted by lesser things, that's when they're in danger of letting go of the most important. So I've got some homework for you. That's the message. Here's the homework. These four words, flee, fight, take hold of, and pursue. If you have a piece of paper here, if you have a writing implement, take out that paper and write. make this simple square, four squares. Um, 
And you can do it when you get home. Don't forget, you can do it on your phone. And write the words flee, pursue, take hold, and fight in each of those boxes. Make it smaller because you want to have room to write. And then I want you to think about the challenges that you're facing this year. The choices that you're facing. The responsibilities that are before you. The opportunities that will be before you. The needs. Just take that whole bit. First of all, decide which things aren't very important. But then I want you to try to decide whatever that activity is, if you're unemployed, which box does that go into? Not flee. <laughs> you know, don't run from employment. We have plenty of those already. It would be pursue. You have to pursue employment. You have to pursue training. It's not enough to just pray. It's not enough just to thank God that he's taking care of. You need to be in pursuit of training, of opportunities, you need to do those things. So you can, you can find everything in there which should fit in one of those boxes. Pray about it. Um, if, uh, you're, if you have trouble figuring out how to, where to put something, ask, ask for help. You know, ask your home fellowship pastor or, or a good Christian friend, somebody, and try and figure out your basic approach so that you know this is God's basic overall strategy. And the key is just not to get them mixed up. Don't pursue the wrong things. Don't, for instance, don't pursue happiness. Or let me put it this way. So there's something better than happiness. Blessedness. Because you can be happy. You can receive one phone call and you're unhappy. Happiness, you have no control over it. But blessedness. You can learn to live in blessedness. You can be blessed when something good happens, but when something terrible happens, you're still blessed because you still have God's comfort, God's help, God's strength. You, you can, but so pursue, not happiness, pursue blessedness. Anyway, let me say a prayer. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that, um, Lord, here we are in this world, a new year, there's many unknowns ahead of us. We'll face choices, opportunities will come our way, but so will dangers. So Lord, we thank you that you have not left us like up a creek without a paddle, that you have given us your word, your truth, you've given us your spirit to be in us. Help us to listen, help us to use your wisdom, help those who, are, who try to divide their life and find the right uh, choices for everything. Fill them and help them this year, Lord. Help us to walk in your word. Help us to follow your Holy Spirit. Help us to listen to our conscience. Help us to flee from things we should flee from and stand and fight where we need to stand and fight. We thank you for this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Would you all stand up? How many of you guys think God is good? How many, think when, how many think when people say it's so hard to be a Christian, you just want to say, have you tried it without him? You're, you really think life without God gets easier? I'm so glad we're going through 2024 with him, with him.